So conversations surrounding the housing market, homeownership can cause a lot of anxiety and confusion. But trust me, you may want to listen to this episode to find out what I mean when I say that, firstly, affordability is relative and that instead of thinking of investing and buying on our own, perhaps we should be looking to form groups. Perhaps we should be looking to invest with our friends instead of just taking this on by ourselves. But what do I know? Okay, so we're going to switch the scenario up a little bit. Sure. Uh, This person doesn't feel safe at home. Mm. They don't have a good relationship with their family. Mm -hmm. And they're feeling like, I really need to get out. Yeah. And I think that there are a lot of people that have that or they just, they maybe they have to move out to be closer to work or something. Mm -hmm. So, you know, or even, you know, the family has said, well, you know, you're grown, you have a job. <laughs> it's time to, yeah, to it's pack time up, to right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a little bit out of their control. So then I, I can see the buying with someone else still working. 100%. But it'll definitely take longer to save up the portion. It will. And so this is where, honestly, everybody's somehow in the gig economy. Mm-hmm. Like the way the economy is right now is nobody has one job, right? Um, And all this indefinite saving, let's not do that, right? What you save, immediately start putting it into the property that you want. Because what people don't realize is that with pre-constructions, every deposit payment is earning interest. It's earning appreciation in the market. This is But What Do I Know podcast with Chit Suzanne, a space for affirming, for learning, and for healing. A podcast and community where we're exploring our But What Do I Know moments in hopes that it helps you, the listener, overcome yours. You ready? Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the But What Do I Know podcast. I'm your host, Chit Suzanne, and I just want to welcome you all to yet another episode, season three, episode four. We are back. Yes. So before we go any further, if this is your first time tuning in and listening to this podcast, thank you for stopping by. Hope you enjoy this episode. You know, make sure that you are liking, commenting, subscribing, leaving us a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you are already part of our community, you're already in the know, you've already been listening. Thank you. And it is greatly appreciated. All right. So with that being said, I hope you're all having a wonderful week as usual. I hope you're getting out. The sun is shining. The weather is warming up. (laughs) The festivals are getting rescheduled. The concerts are getting rescheduled. Tickets are being bought. Let me tell you, I recently attended a Jasmine Sullivan concert and a Lucky Day concert and R&B, what a genre, like what a beautiful genre. It was just amazing to just, you know, be able to attend concerts again, hear some live music, sing along, dance along, had to create my own little space with my girls when we attended, but it was, it was fun and I'm just looking forward to be able to do so much more this summer. I'm ready for the festival. Salsa on the St. Clair here in Toronto. Salsa on the beach. Jazz festivals. I'm all for it. Trust me, those tickets will be booked. Life will be lived this summer. <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and get into our clue and segment for this episode.
right. So for our clue and segment this episode, we're going to start off with some, you know, some informative politics news. So for those who live here in Ontario, Canada, just wanted to let you know, in case you may not know already, that we do have a provincial election coming up on June 2nd of 2022. So, you know, for more information, you can visit elections.on.ca. And um, I believe voting by mail starts as early as May 4th. So, you know, make sure that you are starting to look into this information. I have already recorded an episode with a guest and um, we'll be putting that out in May. We're just going to talk about the different political parties here in Ontario and what their sort of platforms and priorities are to help you all, you know, be a little bit more informed before you vote. So, you know, start to look into that. And again, it's elections.on.ca to get some more information on how you can vote and accessibility concerns and all that. So, yeah, that's just with some political news for those that are living here in Ontario. All right. So normally this is the portion where I talk about, you know, a TV show review, book review, so on. Today, I'm going to focus on a book review. I know in the previous episode, I had talked about diving a little bit deeper into Bel Air, the reimagining of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I will save that for next episode. And when you listen to the next episode, you will know why. As promised, I did want a more relaxed episode. I got a girlfriend to pull up on me and we had such a good time recording it. And um, yeah, it's more of a relaxed conversation. It's going to feel like a girlfriend chat when you listen to it. So I'm going to save that for the clue in segment for our next episode. But for our clue in segment for this episode, I'm going to recommend a book. This book is called The Other Black Girl and it's by Zakia Dalila Harris. So I read this book, like I told you all at the beginning of the season, I'm getting back in my book and my audio book bag. You know, I like to just, you know, pop on in and listen to it while I'm working. It helps me get through the day. So I recently finished Other Black Girl and I loved it. It took me on an interesting journey. And without spoiling the book, it's essentially about this black woman who is the only black person in her office. She works for a publishing company. And then one day she has a new black colleague join her and she thinks that they are going to be, you know, they're going to be girls. They're going to get along. They're going to, you know, (laughs) be each other's allies in the office. And then things start to go left really quickly. Um, So yeah, check it out. It's not exactly what you think. It's not just a realistic fiction type book. There are definitely some twists. There's a little bit of like science fiction thriller in there. So definitely check it out. The book is called The Other Black Girl. There's also a television series that's being planned for this book. I think it's going to be on the Hulu network. So make sure you definitely read it so that you're all prepped up for when the television series drops. But yeah, that is The Other Black Girl. And, you know, like I told you, I'm getting into my audiobook bag. So if you are wanting to check out this book, by way of an audiobook, you can definitely check out Audible. And this podcast is part of the Audible Creator Program. So if you would like to have a free trial for Audible for 30 days and be able to check out this book or any other book of your liking, then visit audibletrial.com backslash BWDIK podcast. I will have that link in the episode description so that you can all visit and check it out. And like I said, you can check out this audiobook, any audiobook or spoken word entertainment of your liking. All right. And so for our song of the week this week, we're going to be listening to an artist by the name of Shaka. This song is from his Road Trip to Venus project that came out in 2021. I believe this artist is a Jamaican Brit. He's definitely Caribbean, but I'm not sure if he's Jamaican. But yes, based in the UK. And this song is called Take It There. 
It's a vibe. This is what I'm currently listening to. So let's go ahead and get into it. definitely a vibe it's just an easy listen to came across this when i was sort of looking for more like r&b contemporary r&b but still some, something with a bit of a swing to it and i found it and i'm definitely liking it i'm making my way through the project road trip to venus and so far i'm enjoying it so you all go ahead support buy stream however you enjoy your music go and support shaka and with that we're gonna get into our main segment for this episode we are continuing our financial related conversation from our previous episode. April is Financial Literacy Month. So we're going to end this off by getting into a discussion around housing, getting into the housing market, affordability, all that good stuff. So let's go ahead and get into it. For our main segment this week, we are continuing our financial-related conversations. This is April. It's Financial Literacy Month. Our previous episode, you know, we talked all about entrepreneurship and wealth building with Dr. Nicole. So if you haven't checked that out yet, make sure you go do so. But today, we are talking real estate, getting into the market. Some people are losing sleep over this, so... <laughs> We're hoping to, um, you know, have a very fruitful and uh, fun conversation at the same time and demystify a few things related to real estate. So right. without further ado, y'all, I have real estate entrepreneur. She is amazing at edutainment because she <laughs> entertains us all while she, you know, educates. She has Instagram on lock. The reels are always popping, constantly you know flowing. Guess me then. Okay. <laughs> Everyone listening, you know, please welcome Mutia Bello. Hey, welcome to the Bawa Do I Know podcast, girl. How Thank are you? you. How are you feeling? How are you doing? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. I'm trying to copy the reel because you already said I'm great at reels, but I did not do that reel, so I don't know the script. But I am feeling good and great. Thank you for having me. Oh, and, I'm so uh, glad. I've been begging you, so thank you for finally allowing me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's been begging. I've been begging. We've both wanted to do this. We're finally doing it in the studio in person. Right. You know, lovely space, by the way. Thank you so much. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So let's get into it. We're going to start with your journey because mm -hmm. you all you haven't always been in the real estate space. No. And now you're fully entrenched in it. You're dope at what you do. You you're sort of dubbing yourself a pre-construction expert. Right. Which is a sub section of real estate. Right. So talk to us. How did you get into real estate? What made you sort of step in? And uh, yeah, how's that going? I, real estate. Real estate came because 
I mean, I was working nine to five, right? They tried to play me. Um, I already had my license and I thought, you know what? Real estate already is what you do on the side, like with leases and things like that to complement your income. Um, I understand what it can be mm-hmm. from a financial perspective, but also from an actual impact perspective. Like if I'm working nine to five, it wasn't the government. So maybe it had like a greater purpose. But in the end, it didn't because we're just making the same people wealthier. So, you know, it just made sense on a lot of different fronts to move into my own thing where I can just create my own hours, be my own boss and follow like the things that I actually want to do. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's how it came. And then getting into it, like while I was taking the exams and everything, it was clear that people probably tap only into 10% of what real estate can actually be. Mm. And yeah, like I never really wanted to be that agent that's taking you to see a thousand houses um, and then I looked at my own journey in terms of how I got into my first condo and all of that. And I thought, wow, if I had to do all of these things and other people think there's only one way to it, there's clearly a big gap in people understanding what they can achieve with real estate, how they can get in, how they can achieve it. So I just thought we'll bring that element to it as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that what I like about what you're doing and the conversations that we have is that you're not, I'm going to use this word lightly, like a typical <laughs> real estate or land developer. Right. I think you're very strategic. Right. You're very, yeah, you're very knowledgeable. You're very strategic right. about where you're you're thinking about buying up land. The, yeah. The type of properties, getting younger millennials in, right. getting people of color, especially black people in the right. market. You know, I think that there's one thing that often I want to say puts people off on real estate and development. It seems like it's for those people. Right. Or it's those 10, 5, whatever percent, whatever the number is, mm-hmm. it's for those people who are able to, you know, get in there and do their thing and the rest of us will, you know, maybe sit over mm-hmm. here and hate on them <laughs> and wish that we could do it. You know what I mean? So I, I like that you, you, that's why I said edutainment because right. you educate, but you're also entertaining that you're trying to make it more accessible for a lot of people. Right. And um, I think that's really dope. I think that's the Thank work you. that you're no, doing is really it's, it's important for me because I mean, so my background is I have an MBA. Um, I was obviously in as an immigrant as well, like literally the only Nigerian in my class, probably the only black person. And then the third year after, Lots of people came in and I remember someone trying to describe me. They're like, um, you know, the girl in the yellow sweater. I'm like, bro, there's like 10 girls in the yellow sweater. Just say the black girl. So even just from that conversation of being the only one all the time, my brothers are still the only one in their classes. I have a son. It's looked like he might be the only one in his class. And, you know, it's just class in terms of socioeconomic strata, class in terms of an actual physical classroom. It's just clear that the wealth gap, we need to close it. Mm-hmm. And um Obviously, everybody is focusing on people who already have. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's going to affect my personal pocket if I try to expand, you know, to a different consumer base, basically. Exactly. So. Exactly. Um, OK. And that brings us to my next question. You know, this is the But What Do I Know podcast. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, <laughs> over here, we like to explore But What Do I Know moments. I have dubbed them. <laughs> and these, you know, we like to do this because... This whole platform is all about, you know, like exploring and overcoming self-doubt in whatever aspect of life. Right. And real estate is one where this brings up a lot of doubt and a lot of anxiety for people. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if you have ever had any but what do I know moments where you thought to yourself like, dang, I know a little bit about this, but can I do it? Or 100 percent, you know, or even for you, it's like, okay, I know how to sell houses. But now to get to the development side can I actually do this? So how do you and how'd you get over it? I mean, it, it definitely, I would say it's happened over, I got my license in 2019 and it probably wasn't until, I want to say mid 2021 
that so that whole space of time was a whole like just big question mark of okay are you actually going to do this and what will that look like mm. and um i got over it a couple of ways so the first thing was mentorship right so i got a mentor who was really able to bring me into the development space and she allowed me to shadow her um there were no foolish questions right mm-hmm. but I as well, like I'm trying to ask things after I've reflected on what the answer might be. And then you're trying to just validate your thought. Right. So it definitely happened a lot. And even with resales, like I know I like to sell in a certain kind of way. I'm more data and statistics centric. Mm -hmm. uh, But a lot of people don't really want to hear that. (laughs) So sometimes it's like, well, am I going to be able to sell to people in the way that they want to hear, but still impart the real information that should actually be guiding their decision? Mm. So, you know, it's sometimes... Outside of the actual knowledge, sometimes it's also about the delivery and communication because, you know, mm. with everything, there's different elements to it. There's what you know, and then there's making sure you're actually passing along the message to people, especially given the context of what you've just said, there's a serious wealth gap that we need to close, right? Mm. So, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And that's something like I will echo even for this platform, too, is wanting so much to be a resource for the community. Right. And then making sure that the information is in a way where you know, it's accessible to people. Like one thing I'm, I'm really big on, okay, like language is accessible, mm-hmm. right? Like, are we able to break down some of these terms that may be hard for people to answer with whatever topic it may be, 100%. right? So I definitely hear you on that. <laughs> and I feel like even for me, the way I overcome that is just, you know what, one, it's I'm attracted my people who are like-minded, who are on the same wavelength. And then two, I'm trying my best. I'm not going to get it right all the time, right. but we're working to continuously make things accessible and to bridge that gap, like you said. Exactly. And also just like living by example, showing mm-hmm. those missteps. Like I would say the last week I've been um, using it to reflect on the last, I would say, 20, no, 12 months of sort of my real estate journey. And I've come to the conclusion that a pivot is required because mm. of, you know, all of the new variables that are entering the market. So I literally spent about two hours yesterday just looking at data, talking to a mortgage agent friend and just figuring out, okay, from the personal side to the professional side, how are the, how am I going to identify the neat things I need to change? What does that change look like? And then just go from there. So that's smart too. Girl, we out here. Like I said, very strategic. I like (laughs) it. I like it. Thank you. All right. So let's get into the housing market. Yeah, we had to do it. Yeah. That's absolutely. the whole reason I'm here. Yes. I got my stats ready. <laughs> Don't you worry. <laughs> um, so I want to sort of break down some some concepts and some things so that people who are listening who may be a little bit confused can mm-hmm. get some clarification. Sure. So let's start with, you know, what does the current housing market in the GTA right now? What does it look like in terms of just average numbers? Sure. And you know, for listeners, these numbers are constantly changing. Um, what we say now may not reflect it when you go to Google it or whatever, right? Basically. <laughs> so we're just giving averages here. Just yeah. got to put that disclaimer out there. But yeah. yeah, in terms of current averages, what does mm-hmm. the housing market look like in, in certain parts of the GTA? Feel sure. free to pick any municipality. So what I think I'll do better is um, go by product type. So we're going to talk single detached and things like that. So average price for single detached at the end of March was about $1.7 million. Oof. Yep. Um, average... Average price for single attached. So your your bigger, you know, kind of townhouses, that was about 1.3 million. Um, and then your townhouses, so think of your congo your condo townhouses, that was nine hundred and sixty-two thousand. And then your condos average eight hundred and fifteen thousand. Now, 
These are averages right across the greater Toronto and Hamilton area. So this is everything from Durham all the way to, you know, even parts of Hamilton and probably some pockets of Niagara Falls. Mm. Now, what's important to understand is each of those markets will have certain properties that do better, right? Okay. And then what we've seen, or not do better, because then is a higher price really better? I'm not going to get into that philosophy, but basically, you know, properties will perform at different levels based on the market. For instance, you know, freeholds in Oakville will always, you know, do better, right? Mm -hmm. I guess in some sense than condos. However, what we saw in the last sort of maybe year and a half, two years was that condo prices were the most accessible. So they experienced the most craziest rapid growth, even actually from 2017 when that initial cooling happened. And they've been on the rise ever since until mm. right now, you know, with the double interest rate hikes that we've experienced um, with just everybody saying, you know what? No, 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 no. I'm not going to pay a million dollars for a condo in Oakville, which actually happened um, on Dundas too. So, right, it wasn't like a fluke. Uh, around the end of March, right? So, yeah, things were crazy. <laughs> so people are thinking, why am I going to spend a million dollars in a condo in Oakville? So with this double interest rate and, you know, reducing affordability and things like that, people have definitely taken a pause and now are starting to buy freehold. So if you listed a condo right now, they're not selling and people are actually taking their property off the market and trying to relist and it's still not selling. But freeholds and even townhouses are still going, right? Okay. And I think the other thing with real estate is people have very, 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 very short memories. Um, if you have an interest rate of three and a half, four percent, it's actually not the craziest thing in the world. But we got spoiled, right, with, you know, pandemic and even a little bit before the pandemic because they were trying to stimulate the economy from 2017, 2018 mm -hmm. with a really low interest rate. So when that happened, everybody who kind of entered the market in that time period thought, all right, this is what it's going to be. No, <laughs> that was just a quantitative easing, it's called. So now we're experiencing the flip of that quantitative tightening, which is where the continuous increase in interest rate is happening. And um, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen to prices. I think there's definitely still going to be a cooling, maybe six months to a year. But therein lies an opportunity for a lot of people. Right. Condos are on sale. So get in now. Right. Don't just chill because, again, with interest rates increasing, it's going to affect your affordability because it means that you can now afford less property. So there's definitely a sweet spot, um, which goes back to the cliche of it's always a good time to buy real estate because there's a factor in the market that will always be working in your favor. Got to stay alert and just, you know, find what that sweet spot is. So. Covered, that's a lot i'm sorry lot. No, no 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 no. don't be sorry that was lit that was great and i really appreciate what you said and one thing i want to want to point out is you know people always say there's there's never like the ideal time like just just get in because look at the numbers you were reading out condos that were once supposed to be the affordable option to single detached homes are now trending you know 800 900k a million in some cases yeah mm -hmm. a million in toronto is actually a mm -hmm. lot more likely it's more likely yeah, yeah for sure so it's just wow <laughs> so then those are some some numbers and trends that you mentioned are mm -hmm. there trends you know showing that millennials and gen z are interested in home ownership or not because a lot of people from gen x like to sort of talk about millennials and gen z 
like we don't want home ownership. <laughs> they say, oh, well, you know, um, you know, the young people, they want they want more condos. You know, they want a place where their kitchen can be close to their bedroom. And then you flip the bed over and now it's a couch. <laughs> like they like to make it seem. Yeah, don't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then the kitchen is right next to the bathroom. We can actually turn the kitchen into a bathroom, you know. Um, <laughs> Unsanitary as fuck. Oh, sorry, yeah, I cuss, but yeah. Um, Bro, yeah, yeah. Like, they, like they like to make it seem like we're this generation that we're, we're changing things and we're not interested in home ownership anymore. So, you know, do you see any stats or research or anything that's showing that we're actually, you know, like that? Or are we still interested in home ownership? Of course we're interested in home ownership. Ding, ding, ding. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's, 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 look, how will I say this? If you don't have ownership, you cannot have control over your future. For as long as it is the human instinct to have self-autonomy, ownership will always be important. I don't care what generation you're born in. Mm. Right? That's why. So why would we pe- why would people buy stocks? Why people buy crypto? Why people still trying to buy assets? Everybody all up and through Instagram is how ownership over everything. Get this asset. Incorporate this. What are they trying to say? So I think that this is where the difference in um, how I tra- it's not it's not the difference, actually. Those are the narratives that we, they need to push out to make us feel like it is inaccessible, mm. right? It's subliminal messaging, right? You're basically being told, no, you don't really want this. Your fellows aren't interested in that. Okay, tell me why you bought five condos for your child who's mm. also a millennial. Are you dumb? Please don't fall for that. Millennials want, I'm getting angry for literally no reason. <laughs> Millennials want ownership. My child, we don't even know what generation he's going to be called. He's four. He will want ownership. And everybody is going to want property, right? We can get into the rabbit hole of all the kind of conspiracy theories who, that end up actually being the real thing. But the point is that that is not true. Um, everybody that I know, I'm 37, probably elder millennial, but everybody that I know definitely wants property, not want. They're trying to get as many as they can to secure their futures and for their children as well. Whether they're buying in a group, whether they are buying further out, when we sold the condos in Niagara Falls in 2020, honestly, I think the average age was probably between 27 and 34, which is like the millennial mm-hmm. age, right? Like everybody wants to buy, right? And everybody's like, listen, here's a bag of cash. Can I even invest in your development? Like there are people who come up to me and say, listen, I have 40,000. I can't quite own yet, but can this be like a ramp up? Okay, let's see. We can do deals together. So, bruh, no (laughs) there's just no other way to say it other than that no (laughs) no i'm glad you cleared that up because i i was thinking the same thing no and every time i hear that i hear you know condo uh condo lifestyle condo living da 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 da. i think like no we are also interested in ownership too i get that the dynamics of it might be different i do hear some some younger people saying to me well i don't know if i'm going to stay in the city so i'm not interested in buying for now I'm still young. I'm still figuring out where I want to find permanent work. So maybe this is not my time to buy. But people are still interested in using property as some sort of an asset or investment. Not to only are people interested, people are actually taking that action. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But the less the less millennials and Gen Xers buy, and I guess even Gen Z's because they're not coming of age. Mm-hmm. The less they buy, the more it is available for people who just want to keep stacking assets so like it's all just mind games yeah right like it's Mm -hmm. that that's really what it is the less we enter the market and i think i posted something on my instagram because there's this guy i forget he basically has a real estate investment trust like he's basically on the stock exchange has like thirty thousand units Mm. in north america right and he was saying 
literally the same thing millennials don't want to buy okay but you have 30,000 units if more millennials bought that immediately affects how you can buy right and so it doesn't make sense the less we are trying to get of the market the more for them to play mm, exactly we're not gonna get got Um, okay, so I'm not sure if you know any offhand. Sure. But based on recent work, what are some affordable pockets? So I know you read up numbers, you know, <sighs> high <laughs> hundreds of thousands, one mil, 1.25 mil now. But what are some affordable pockets in terms of condo units and townhouses for, you know, younger millennials who are interested in buying, who are looking at your finances, getting themselves together? What are some pockets that you can say, okay, I like this for younger millennials, so on? I mean, first of all, I want to define the term affordable. And we can even get into that. Because okay. <laughs> by definition, affordable, affordable for housing and working in this space of, you know, city planning, housing, and I get people to, why are my condos so expensive? Blah, 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 blah. Affordability is supposed to be that you use no more than 30% of your income every monthly towards your rent. But I can tell you that the average person is not doing that. They're, they're spending upwards of 50, 70 even percent of their income every month towards housing mm -hmm. so honestly when i'm saying affordable maybe i shouldn't even be using that word like where can we even find a house okay so let's, that, let's say that perfect so that's a really good reframe right and when we move it from the conversation of because we're talking about policy and things like that you start to like get down into the sliding scale of you know housing as a human right which it is right mm -hmm. which we always have that conversation between what's the difference between housing and ownership right mm -hmm. so that conversation is completely separate but when it comes to um where can I buy, right? Mm. The best way to answer that question, first of all, is get pre-approved. And I say that because even the same person before this, even just the second interest rate hike, what they could afford is now different. Mm. Like if you had a pre-approval, they gave you, you know, 60 and 90 days to execute that pre-approval by finding property that fits into that, all of those conditions, it timed out. Now, maybe you can afford, you know, property that's maybe now 100K less just because you didn't buy within that 90 day period. So it's such a fickle thing, right, to, to even start with. So once you get that pre-approval, first of all, start there. Once you get that pre-approval, make sure you're doing what you need to do within that time frame. They know why they give you that number of days. And don't forget, your mortgage agent or the lender, whoever it is, that's 80% of the money you're going to use to buy the property. 80-20 rule demands that you put all of your effort in making sure you use that 80%. Because hmm. if you don't, and next variable comes, you're done. Mm -hmm. You understand? So your savings aren't going to change, right? Like that, that's, that's basically fixed. Yep. Um, so you always have to make sure that whatever, you know, you're using a pre-approval and in that period you're buying. So where are pockets? Honestly, that's a really hard question. That's a really hard answer. For instance, I know people buy in Hamilton still because now the condos went crazy in Hamilton, right? But now they're on a downward trend again. So Hamilton is definitely a good place to buy for condominiums. Um, places like Durham are still good, but even though the prices are rising, they haven't hit a max like how other places have just yet, mm -hmm. right? So, and then of course, if the resale market isn't really working for you, that's where pre-constructions come in just, you know, altogether. 
And in that case, yeah, there are definitely some instances of pre-construction where it's like, (laughs) if I have to put this much down, I know it's supposed to be more flexible payments, but if my payment structure is basically telling me I have to put $200,000 down, $180,000 down in one year, is that even really necessarily better than a resale, right? So there's definitely lots of questions. So I would say this is just where it comes down to working with a professional, honestly. Like they're really the best ones that can tell you based on all of your criteria, this makes sense, Mm. right? And there are always little things that, okay, quick story. So my partner and I were looking for a property uh, that we can invest in because she lives in the States, I live here. So we're trying to find a property that we can invest in for our infill development projects. So we go all the way down to Port Colborne and I'm like, bro, we need to get this property because I know it seems like it's a law. They're asking for 690. We're not going to go that high. I promise you. So we ended up coming down to 615 and agreeing that one of the tenants will stay in the property for 10 months rent free. So that brings the value to us at 625. But we didn't get a 625, you know, property. We got a 615 property. So there are different ways that you can negotiate, finesse the situation a little bit to reduce how much is showing on your mortgage, but you're still exchanging value in some way or another, right? So if I tell somebody now in the GCA, well, why don't you go to Port Colborne and buy a property there? It's a really big house on a lot that you can eventually tie, which you helped me find, thank you very much, mm-hmm. That on a lot that you can eventually tie to something else. So you want to talk about generational wealth. It's right now a house that's tenanted. You don't ever have to go to Port Colborne. It's tenanted right now. You're going to be cashing your checks. Maybe you take a hit for 10 months. And then after that, it's positive cash flow. In three years from now, sell to a developer or you yourself tear it down, put three properties. But that's a nice pocket. Do you want to go? <laughs> you understand? Mm-hmm. So there are, there, are, there are things, there are properties, there are ways, like I even said, this downturn now. Um, there are condos. People, whoever is in the market right now as a, as a seller wants to sell. Mm-hmm. So if you are ready as a buyer to maybe change and be flexible in some of your uh, selection criteria and your buying criteria, there is something for you. Okay. Okay. There's, honestly, I really believe that there's something for us. It's just, it takes sitting down, organizing your finances, looking at your budget, seeing where, again, talking to professional, getting pre-approved like you mm-hmm. talked about, and then seeing with what you have, <laughs> where you can make some things happen. Exactly. Okay, so we touched on this a little bit and we were talking about, you know, affordability mm-hmm. versus, you know, ownership and, and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to take a, a step back <laughs> from the buy-in. And I want to have this conversation because I feel like a lot of people talk about, you know, real estate and owning and woo-woo-woo wealth and all <laughs> that jazz. And I love it. But I think that on the other side, there are some people who are, I don't want to say anti-development, but they look at this as, you know, you are using this for profit and housing is a right, Mm. right? And as someone who's also a city planner, that's another side too. Like you have housing activists and housing advocates that are saying, whoa, slow down. Like why are all the units in this condo all Airbnbs when these could be people's homes? Like you're, Mm -hmm. you know, because the private market will do what the private market would do, right? So as, you know, someone who's a strategist in this space, how do you sort of reconcile like that housing affordability piece and the piece of like housing is a right for people? Like each everybody should be able to live in a, a safe, functional, good space versus then, all right, let's let's buy these units, make some shit shake, make mm-hmm. some money and build this wealth. Like, how do you reconcile that? <laughs> Not me having an actual full intellectual answer in my mind. And then you say, make some shit shake. And I just lost it all. <laughs> um, 
Listen, what I'll say is multiple things can be true at the same time. Amen. Right? So let's start there. Um, government is not going to build houses. <sighs> They're trying. They're trying, but they can't build enough. No, what I'm saying is Ministry of Infrastructure mm. is not going to build houses. Correct. They right. don't even build jails. You understand me? They don't build courthouses. Mm. They don't build hospitals. Ellis Don and them build it. Mm. Right? Public-private partnerships. So that's what that is. If we want to bring that same model to housing, where we use private money, mm -hmm. but it's literally eventually on the government's dime, are we going to increase taxes? True. You get. So that's the first thing. Yeah, there are definitely models we can explore. Mm -hmm. Right. So government is not going to build houses. There are definitely models that we can explore. If government even were to say right now we want to build affordable housing and things like that, they would have to rely on the private sector. Right. So, you know, we'll leave that there. Somebody who's currently going through it myself. <laughs> Development for even just infills. Honestly, sometimes I think it's a waste of time to even build one property at a time. Because I'm going to go through the same development process or similar to build one house mm. as I would to build stack condos or even 27 units in a, in a space. So, and the costs aren't low, right? Like I, we haven't even put shovel to ground and I probably spent 30 grand already. All we've done is cut a tree. <laughs> mm. Do you understand? Like we haven't even, we haven't even applied to the city yet. And those fees, when you, you get, apply. you understand. So that one hasn't even come yet, right? And then, you know, I, I'm seeing some policy documents that in Toronto, um, the prices are going to increase by 180,000 before you even do anything on a lot of land. So the answer about supply and, and the conversation I was having with my uh, mortgage agent, with my lender um, yesterday, was around. Should I put a pause on this project for even like three or four months and see what interest rates are saying? Because remember I said interest rate is a factor that affects the entire economy, mm -hmm. right? So as people are feeling it and trying to buy one house, one condo, we're also feeling it in my cost of construction finance is going to go up. So even if I was looking to make, you know, $200,000 for building two properties over two years, so that's literally two years income. Let's just also say that, right? Yeah. So... If I'm looking to do that, I'm just saying all of this to provide context. I definitely want to be in development space. I don't think that developers are doing anybody a favor, but there is a space for mutual beneficial activity to occur. Mm. And that's why I say that the tr a lot of things can be true, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I think that's, that's just the best way to answer that question. That's how I reconcile it in my mind. I make it a personal decision to whenever I, you know, how big do I even want to be necessarily? Do I want to be a Tridel? Maybe not necessarily because I think there is enough in the middle space. Um, I was reading something on Twitter the other day about on-ramping and down-ramping of, you know, people who are trying to downsize and upsize in property. It's almost like you have to go to a, from a condo to a mansion. <laughs> There's mm. like literally nothing in between. Um, same way you've been living in a mansion for 20 years, 20, 50 years. And then trying to put you in an 800 square foot condo. Exactly. And that's what a lot of housing planners, that's what we're research we're doing. We're talking about that missing middle. Exactly. Can we have more coach houses, laneways, stack townhouses, exactly. townhouses. Exactly. Doesn't have to be just single detached and then high density. And then nothing. <laughs> exactly. So like where where is the middle ground? Mm -hmm. So, you know, 
choosing, like making the conscious effort that, you know, that will be what I pursue in my career um, and hoping that honestly, policy is going to meet me there. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's the other, you know, big if. If policy doesn't meet me there and this is how I'm going to earn a living. I mean, hopefully I don't sell my soul to the devil down the line. But yeah. <laughs> if the environment isn't right, though, and I can compete with the Tridels of the world, like. Like, what am I going to do? I'll probably exactly. just move to Mexico. <laughs> <sighs> no, I hear that. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. I think multiple things can be true at once. And I think that, you know, while we are trying to provide housing for everyone and up that supply because housing is a right, I still don't think that every developer is evil and bad. I think that development is important. I think that when it's done right and you're building complete communities, it's actually important. And you're right that the government, there's only so much it can do. They've put out a recent document. They're trying to build, I believe it's 50 million homes in 10 years, but you're going to need the help of developers to do that because the city's not, they don't have, yeah, like they're not going to be able to do that on their own. No. So I definitely, <laughs> I definitely hear you that it's, um, it's sort of a balance of things, but I, I like to bring that up because I, I want, I want to, I want people to understand the balance. Mm-hmm. Like it's not one or the other. I think that that's the, the interesting dichotomy of life is that there's just so much duality. Like this exactly. is going on while this is going on. Exactly. So. All right, let's get to some tips and strategies that you have for us, you know, young, young millennials trying to get into the market. Right. Um, so if I'm a young, you know, I'm, I just graduated. Mm-hmm. I just have my first big girl job. <laughs> you know, maybe I'm making like 50 to 60K. Um, I'm still working on paying off my student loans. And I just recently got a car for work, which I'm financing. Right. Mm-hmm. And I come to you and I say, Mo, listen, like, this housing stuff is cute. I've been really enjoying your reels. You know, like you're really, you're really attracting me. Like, I, I think I want to do this. Right. But this is my current situation and I don't have a lot saved. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where, where do we start? Like, how do you sort of go about advising, advising the people that you work with? I mean, for that kind of person who's really new out, I think this is where preconstructions can be great for them mm-hmm. and buying a preconstruction with somebody else as well. Um, because even though I love preconstructions, I do think that you should at least have one year's money or close to that already saved before you go in. Mm-hmm. And that's because based on the prices increasing, like before I would say, yeah, if you have 50K, you can start. But, you know, just keeping a pace with the market and the way prices are increasing, if you have 50K now or 60K now, but only that, that only takes you 5% of the way, when that other 5% comes due in like six months, can you really, you know, afford that, right? And so that's my concern of in that situation, she has a little bit saved. Hopefully she can partner up with somebody else and then they buy that pre-construction together. Because again, 50% of a property is a lot. It is. It is a lot. And, you know, um, also just when you think about it, that if you've just, just don't move out of the house, actually, that's even the first thing, right? Like you're, you're in a safe space in your home. Please don't move out of your house. You want to keep your expenses as low as possible especially given the quote that you just, or rather the statistics that you just gave, that ideally you don't want to be spending more than 30% mm. of your income on housing, but mm-hmm. bare facts, mm-hmm. we're spending 70%. Mm-hmm. So imagine that 70%, will you really be able to save more? Like what's your disposable income like if you move out? So stay at home, buy with somebody and get a pre-construction. Like those are the three things I would say they need to combine mm-hmm. for themselves because. Yeah, that's probably the best situation for them to get in. Okay, so we're going to switch the scenario up a little bit. Sure. 
uh, this person doesn't feel safe at home. Mm. They don't have a good relationship with their family. Mm-hmm. And they're feeling like, I really need to get out. Yeah. And I think that there are a lot of people that have that or they just, they maybe they have to move out to be closer to work or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, or even, you know, the family has said, well, you know, you're grown, you have a job. <laughs> it's time to, yeah, to it's pack time up, to right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a little bit out of their control. So then I, I can see the buy-in with someone else still working. 100%. But it'll definitely take longer to save up the portion. It will. And so this is where, honestly, everybody's somehow in the gig economy. Mm-hmm. Like the way the economy is right now is nobody has one job, right? Um, And all this indefinite saving, let's not do that, right? What you save, immediately start putting it into the property that you want. Because what people don't realize is that with pre-constructions, Every deposit payment is earning interest. It's earning appreciation in the market, mm. right? So you've put in 20000 now. That's not 20000 next year. Because if you were to sell that same pre-construction, it's not the price that it was a year ago. Right. Right? So you're doing two things at the same time. You're putting your money directly in the investment or in the property. And at the same time, you have secured price. Right. You okay. get me? You've secured price. So it's mm-hmm. not like... It's rare that a developer is going to wake up and say, oh, we're going to increase the price. I mean, they say now it's happening some more. But if you have a tight agreement and you're, you've selected the right developer, mm-hmm. okay, not just every, you know, upstart, even though I'm about to be one, but you've selected the right developer and the agreement is tight. You've gotten a lawyer to review it, mm-hmm. right? Because the lawyer should review your agreement. They can't hide too many things from there. And if things aren't jiving, they'll point it out to you. Um, and so, again, people don't know that actually a lawyer would even review that agreement for you for free. I once reached out to a lawyer to review a contract with me working with a network and they were like, well, we're actually going to charge you like $25 for every page that we have to review. I was like, yo, you guys are eating. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but not in real estate because for them, they're like, OK, when you actually close the property, then, you know, the yeah. payment comes for them. Mm-hmm. OK, so. Aside from that scenario, Mm -hmm. um, what are some, you know, general tips and strategies that sort of end the segment this way Mm -hmm. that you can offer younger, you know, younger millennials, Gen Z who are, you know, starting their careers and just, you know, thinking about um, ownership, whether it be, you know, home ownership, investment property. um, What are some things that we can be doing to constantly evaluate our situation and get ourselves ready? Because I feel like you don't just wake up and say, okay, I'm going to buy a property today and it happens. Mm -hmm. It has to be something that maybe you think about today and then mm-hmm. you actually buy that property maybe in a year or in mm-hmm. a year and a half mm-hmm. depending on what the property is of mm-hmm. course right so what are some things that we should constantly be sort of thinking about our situations in terms of like like how do we constantly evaluate our situation to get us closer to that goal of acquiring a property sure so most people tend to focus only on their savings which sure that's an element but like mm-hmm. i said 80 percent is going to come from somebody else so what does that person need to see to give you the money is literally the only question you need to keep in your mind. That basically is talking about the mortgage. What is it going to take for you to get a mortgage approval? Mm. There's generally four or five elements, right? Of course, are you working and how long you've been working there? Um, what you're bringing to the table in terms of your equity or your down payment, of course. Um, and then your credit score, right? So as long as those things are on the up and up, you're fine. Okay, and then, of course, also like you're watching your disposable income. You're not, you know, your general just good budgeting tips. You're not overspending. You're not taking on unnecessary debt. Um, I would say for that kind of person, they may be concerned about OSAP, but don't worry about it. OSAP is not considered as a huge factor when, uh, you know, the mortgage agent is reviewing your application for a mortgage. 
So I would say the most important thing is make sure you are maximizing your income opportunity, right? If you're the kind of person that's looking to get a side hustle and looking to use that side hustle as part of your overall, part of your overall income for your property, make sure that it is legitimate, like it's on paper. They can track your sales. Mm-hmm. Um, they can track your receipts. You're filing your taxes, your notice of assessment. And they want that business to have been in existence for about two years, right? So you're coming out of school. You want to start a side hustle. So while that is happening in parallel, you're making sure that if you can get a promotion or two, do it, right? Um, you don't want to switch jobs too much and definitely not too close to when you're actually going to be applying for that mortgage. So if you're thinking, okay, I'm giving myself two years, your business is going on the side. The first year, mm, I kind of hate this job still because of course you just graduated. You don't really know <laughs> what job is really going to be a fit. Facts. Just make sure that whatever new job you're going to, you're giving yourself like a year before you actually apply. And honestly, if you get to that second one too and you hate it, but the income is good, think about your wealth, boo. Think about that wealth and be like, you know what? I'm using you guys to qualify for a mortgage. Okay. Mm. So give Sally the cut eye. Do you understand? And keep it moving. Just don't get fired. <laughs> Think about you. <laughs> not, not give Sally the cut eye. That's hilarious. Um, but yeah, I, I really appreciate those tips. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm definitely going to, you know, take those, summarize into a little post, credit you, of course. Because um, I think they were really succinct and they weren't just, oh, keep saving. But you actually said, you know, yes, saving is, is cool. Do that. But if you can maximize your income opportunities and so on. And I thought that was really, really important for people to hear. So you actually can't save towards real estate. You can't. You can't. Things like inflation will eat it up. There's just so many uh, you, factors. You the cannot. price is constantly going up. <laughs> yeah. The ballpark's always kind of moving. So always. you you really cannot. But um, but yeah, thank you so much for, you know, for this this conversation. Thank you so much for all that you have <laughs> shared. Um, is there anything else you want to add before I switch segments a little bit? If there's anything else you want to add, you have the floor to do so. But yeah, ah, what do I want to add? I mean, just don't believe the hype that it's unattainable. Honestly, is what it is. Just, I mean, look at all the times you had to apply for a job, mm. right? Like, look at all the ways you had to. I don't know if you're trying to highlight some boy or some girl. Like, look at all the ways you had to, you know, think about different strategies to bring. Literally keep the same energy, like nothing, nothing that you're going to attain is going to be that easy. Like it's not a walk in the park. And especially because housing is a right. Ownership is a privilege. You have to earn that privilege. Right. Like what are you going to do? If you're trying to get it, then let's get it. Right. So just keep that in mind and let's get it. I got you. (laughs) All right. So you already know what time it is. It's I the Boa Duano podcast. Okay. So, you know, we have a segment where we want to get to know <sighs> a different side of you. I mean, you know, we just heard from Real Estate Mo. Now we want to know from Lighthearted Mo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going to ask you four fun questions okay. without thinking, you know, just drop an answer on me. So, I mean, you are a real estate entrepreneur, so I'm yes. interested to know what you have to say for this one. But if money wasn't a problem, what's <laughs> something about your lifestyle that you would change? Oh, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> if money was not a problem, mm-hmm. I would have an apartment in every city that I like. Mm. What's one city? Istanbul. Ooh, Istanbul is, is pretty. I've never been, but the pictures and the videos look Ma'am. gorgeous. Like... Yeah. Literally, like your belly can be hungry and your eyes are fed. And I say this as somebody whose belly always needs to be full. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, number two. What is your favorite genre of music? I know what everybody's expecting, but unfortunately, that's not what you're going to get. 
<laughs> right now, I'm definitely in my grind season. So rap, straight up. Okay. But lyrical. Okay, so what type of music have we listened to while we're getting our grind on? So, my mixtape. Actually, when I'm really working, I don't listen to music. Okay. When I'm on long drives and I need to reflect, I need to just step out of myself mm-hmm. and listen to people who have got it out the mud. Because mm-hmm. that's not my experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Nas, Nipsey Hussle, J. Cole, Wale. Mm-hmm. I like Wale. Um, Rhapsody, Neelam. Yes. Okay. You know. Good names. I like those. Trying to get Yeah, good vibes. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I like it. It was a good, good list. Thanks. Um, if you had a superpower, what would it be? Ooh, <laughs> I'm so interested to know because I'm like, hmm, what would she choose? <laughs> this one is terrible because we're going to get into a weird segment. Okay, so I had a superpower. It would be to go back in time. Okay. Because I really enjoy history and the aesthetic of it. Mm hmm. But y'all, I'm dark, dark. So we already That's know. That's what I was about to say. Already, what era did you want to go back to? Because did you want to... Like, <laughs> that's the thing. I like way back era. Like... I know. It's so nice to watch Pre-colonial times, you know? I want to okay. see... You know what? I want to see, like, what Africans live like. I want to see what, you know, the rest of the world live like. Right. Before we had the, you know, putridness... Right. ...of, um, you know, colonial effects. You know, just to see how each of these dynasties and empires and Mm -hmm. communities just lived on their own terms before we had all the fuckery that we currently have right now so yeah it will be to go back in time but to come back to this time just before the madness okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay i agree i agree i agree (laughs) um last question what's the most beautiful place you've ever been to oh gosh i can't pick but this is definitely about recency effect so Merida in Mexico is the most recent place I went to and I thought it was super beautiful. So there's that. But actually, no. If we're talking about overall beauty and you and I have had this conversation before, anywhere on the motherland. Mm, Honestly, and it's not even necessarily just because it's picturesque. There's just the ease and peace of mind that comes with it. Mm -hmm. And the sun, geez. Yeah. Already know. (laughs) So, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, those are all the questions I have for you. Um, You know, thank you so much again. Before I let you go, you know, Mm -hmm. just drop your socials. Let the people know where they can find you, how they can work with you, all that good stuff. Yes. So I'm at at Wealthy Mo on Instagram and Mutia Bello on LinkedIn. I'm trying to branch into those two areas more. And I would say start there and then I can funnel you out. So let me plug myself because apparently I'm terrible at marketing myself. Um. Actually, no, I'm not even going to do that. You've heard the podcast. Let's work. Yeah, agreed. Like that. And I will definitely put all those in the episode description. But yes, girl, thank you for coming. Thank you for being on this episode. This was such a great conversation. Thank you. I learned a lot. I know the listeners will. So thank you. Thank and you, Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We're going to have more of this. This is just part one. I feel like this was sort of a real I'm estate I'm trying to beg you to have me like as a regular segment. You once will. A you will. Like almost but like a real know, estate now. Apple has featured you now. So <laughs> yeah, raising no, shoulder no, 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 for no, 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 no. My, my shoulder's <laughs> dropped. My shoulder's my show dropped for you. So we'll have you back. We'll have you back.
All right. So we are at the end of this episode. Thank you all for tuning in and listening to my conversation with Mutiat regarding housing, getting into the market, affordability, and so on. Keep the conversation going on our Instagram and Twitter pages at BWDIK Podcast. You know, feel free to slide in my DM or Mutiat's DM. <laughs> On Instagram, if you have any questions related to the episode, share, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. You know, as always, mind your business, drink your water, take care of yourself, and you all will hear from me real, real, real soon. Bye for now. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money.